Welcome to the Share Chair Podcast, where we tell each other's stories and learn from listening. This is Mertz. Welcome to the Share Chair Podcast. Thank you. Thank you for coming here today. Yeah. So, I don't know much about you. Uh, I know you teach math. Correct. Correct. Um, so, and I also know that you're retiring. <laughs> So I think that's mainly what we're here to talk about today. So give me a little information on that. On like retiring what, or what yeah. I do here? <laughs> well, both, both. So this is my 26th year in Spring Lake. I've spent my entire teaching career here. Wow. So all of 26 years here. I've taught all the, all the classes except trig and calculus. So from AP stats to class we used to call the fundamentals of algebra and all the classes in between. I also taught... Um, business law for quite a while. So I, back in 2007, I went to law school. Wow. And yeah, and I got my law degree and my license, and it was something, I had taught business law before that. Law has always been something of an interest to me, Mm -hmm. and so I decided to pursue it further and go ahead and get my degree. So I'm retiring this year, and then I'll be practicing law. Oh, that's after cool. retirement. That's really cool. Indeed. Yeah, so I'm what excited. will you? So what will you be doing with that? Well, right now I practice part-time estate planning, and so planning for death. You know, for what happens to the estate at death. And I've been limited to that because I can't be in court. Mm-hmm. You know, and it's difficult to meet clients when I'm in the classroom all, all day. So when I retire, I will expand my practice into probate litigation, um, which means. I can go to court, mm-hmm. take clients that want to um, litigate their case, you know, if an estate, there's some portion of the state they want to litigate they don't agree with, so they take to court to argue it. I can be the lawyer on that. And then also um, estate administration, so on the back half of that, when someone does die, I can consult on administrating the estate and or actually doing, administering the estate myself. Yeah. So what got you into all of the law? So it's always been an interest of mine, but more than anything, personal experience. So yeah. some family um, experiences with my with my father, when my father's parents passed and the drama that ensued from that and the legal battles that ensued from that really got me interested in property law and just I really felt like the knowledge of the law was power. You know, like, why do you have to know so much in order to navigate our legal system? And I used to be really angry about that, that you needed a lawyer in order to navigate the legal system effectively until I went to law school, and then I realized that if it didn't take an expert to do it, the system would be vulnerable to abuse. And so there needs to be that level of expertise in order to have a system that isn't easily abused. Yeah. Yeah, so really it was just a... It grew out of personal experience and this desire to want that knowledge and power for myself. When you got your teaching degree, did you were you also planning on practicing law in the future? I was not. No, um, like I said, that really my interest in law grew out of personal oh, experience. Oh, so it was later. It okay. was later. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And really, I think it was about seven years in. Funny they call it the seven year itch. Seven year I. Um, <laughs> I applied to law school because that was right around the time those things were happening. And 
and I got accepted, and I was very relieved, like, oh, I could do this if I wanted to. But I was really enjoying my career, and, and seven years in, you're really starting to get the hang of it, and things are going well, and so um, I stayed in teaching and then waited a few more years to go back and finish the, the law degree. What was that like juggling? Because teaching is a hard job, to juggle being a student again, especially with an intense program like law with being a teacher? I don't know how I did it. <laughs> you know, it's one of those things that you just, when you decide, you do it. Yeah. I will tell you, I felt like I was a better teacher because of it. Because halfway through my career, I went back to being a serious student. Yeah. I mean, this isn't something I just did for fun. You had to be in it to win it. Mm -hmm. And by viewing the learning experience from the student's perspective again, just naturally rolled over into my teaching and it actually got me more excited about teaching because I felt like I had that perspective again. You know, oh, what it really meant good. to learn versus what it meant to teach. Yeah. So I think that really helped me grow in the second half of my career. Were you coach? Because you've coached here regularly as well. Talk about coaching a little bit. Like, how did that help to balance your career with that? Were you coaching at the time when you were going back to school as well? No. <laughs> I was say that. that was one job too many. <laughs> I did have a new baby. <laughs> I had a new baby and an excellent spouse, you know, who yes. definitely who definitely did his three quarters of the job. <laughs> um, but I, I'm really, really glad I coached. I coached before that, before I had Eliza. I coached once um, again after her so I went back to coaching 10 years later and coaching has really complemented my experience because I teach a subject that students find difficult and they find judgmental yeah. you're good at it or you're not good at it you're smart at it you're not smart at it and there isn't a lot of room for sort of the emotional part, relationship part of it, you know, because there's so much baggage I feel like students bring to a math classroom. Yeah. It takes a long time to, to work through that, to kind of break those walls down. But in coaching, you know, everybody pretty much wants to be there. No yeah. one thinks yeah. they're particularly bad at it. Yeah. Um, you know, they don't come in like, I'm bad at softball. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm here um, because I have to be. Right, yeah. no, right. They all choose to be there. Right. And so there was just that opportunity to build relationships with students I don't usually get in a math classroom. Yeah. Um, and so that was a great compliment because I got to build relationships that way with, with kids. It's funny to think about my coaching career the first time, you know, when I was all about like team and we got to win. And then after having a child and going back, it was yeah. more about I got to build these girls up to be leaders in the yeah. world, you know, yeah. and it, it really kind of changed the, the dynamic of of what my goals were yeah. as a coach coming back to it as a parent and with some perspective, you know, that only really age and experience yeah. can give you. That's, how has teaching math changed over your 26 years? How has the structure of the classroom or the delivery of material? Mine has changed quite dramatically because I've grown into a problem-solving curriculum versus a skill acquisition curriculum. So rather than just drill, skill, kind of take time to put skills together to solve problems. I will say, as I look back over all 26 years of teaching math, that 
because of the way our, our school has grown in accomplishments, uh-huh. you know, grown to be top 2% of right. and all that, I have seen a sharp decline in kids' willingness to discuss mathematics, to put themselves out there, to participate in class discussions. I mean, um, there's just a inhibition that wasn't there before. They don't want to. They don't want to be wrong. They don't want people to think they don't deserve to be in that class, or they're not smart, or so. There's a lot more struggle. Where early in my career, everybody was. Part- we never had conversations at math department meetings about. How do we get kids to participate more? It's like they're afraid to fail. Yeah. So. Yeah, and I think that just comes with the expectations that that being a Spring Lake student mm-hmm. has. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. I think kids in Spring Lake are often in it for the experience of the test and the, the college application, mm-hmm. and so sometimes the risks. They just want to know. Give, give me what I need to know, and yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. A lot less risk-taking. So I think that's our next challenge as a school, as a department. How can we get kids, build cultures where kids feel safe to take risks? If you had one piece of advice to give to anyone, what would it be? One piece of advice that I have followed for a very long time now sounds a little bit harsh, (laughs) but it has served me well, and that is everything is my fault. Everything that happens to me is my fault. Mostly. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah, because I think that when we don't take responsibility for what happens to us, good and bad, we just spend our lives feeling like a victim mm-hmm. and, and blaming and never feeling empowered. And even when I pursued my legal education, I just wanted to feel empowered. I didn't want to feel in the weak stance or the... the in a position where I just didn't know enough, you know? And so if you feel like even when bad things happen to you, they're your fault, Mm -hmm. you're empowered to do something about it. Well, I can change that. I can change what I did. I can't change what that other thing did that, you know, that maybe happened to me. And so even though it hurts to, to blame yourself when bad things happen, it, on the flip side, it's very empowering. And that has served me well. And also lets you take, Responsibility for the good stuff, too, you yeah. know? When, when good stuff happens to you, you're like, I, I did that. Yeah. And I was lucky. And, you know, but it, it's probably the best advice I ever took. Yeah, that's good. That's really I really like so. that. Yeah. Well, thank you for thank you. Oh, it's fun. talking to us today. You bet. Thank you. Thanks for listening. Stay tuned for next week's episode.